We're officially on. All right, everybody. Hello, everyone. You are listening to LA Theater Bites, and I am here with Edwin Wong. He's got a master's degree from Brown University, where he studied the classics with an emphasis on ancient theater. And he's written a book, The Risk Theater Model of Tragedy, Gambling, Drama, and the Unexpected. And uh, I'm here to talk to him. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was, as far as this is LA Theater Bites and it's an LA Theater Bites podcast, what really interests me is he actually has a competition that uh, focuses on his model, the Risk Theater model, and, and that he presents in this book. And I, I just wanted to um, tell us, can you tell us a little bit about this competition? Um, how has it progressed so far? Um, tell us a little bit about it. And um, how do the people from Los Angeles fare in, in a competition like this? LA rules. So in the first year of the competition, we had, it's an international competition. Yes. In our first year, we had 182 playwrights participated from 11 countries. Mm -hmm. And LA is like a country in itself. We had out of the 182, 10 LA playwrights sent in their plays. Yeah. So that's about 5%. In terms of uh, cities, LA was number two behind New York. I think in New York, we had two or three more. LA was number two in the world. So a really wow. strong showing by LA. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm not surprised that New York would have so many playwrights as it's such, it's such a theater capital, but um it's great. It's great to hear that LA is wasn't that too far behind with a uh, with a lot of um, people coming in and stuff like that. So tell. Um, so whose idea was it to start? Uh, was it your idea to start this competition? And um, what what have you just have you discovered anything since it's gone on? It was my idea to start the competition. I came yeah. out with the the book came out February this year, mm -hmm. and before the book came out, there's there's lots of books on dramatic theory out there. Yes. And I wanted to do something different. A lot of the books on dramatic theory, they have the theory. They don't have a practical aspect. I thought I'm going to put this out there to the playwrights. They're the ones who are making the theater. So it's important to combine the theory with the practice. And I thought, the best way of doing this was to team up with a theater to launch a playwriting competition based on this idea of risk. So the book, the, the argument of the book is to make risk the dramatic fulcrum of the action. A lot of playwrights write in and they say, we love tragedy, but it's the catharsis and the hamartia, the pity and the fear and the mystique and the one percenters, we don't really get it anymore. We want to write tragedy, but we just don't understand the art form is inaccessible to us. And a lot of uh, critics, what I've been seeing them say is that tragedy is sort of a barbaric relic. It's no longer relevant. So my idea was to make risk the dramatic fulcrum of the action. I think that's something when we look around in the world today, we see all sorts of risk around us. It. So it's something that people naturally understand. And by 
having the theater as a stage where we dramatize risk, I think there would be interest in that. So I teamed up with Langham Court Theater in Victoria, Canada. We launched this playwriting competition. It's in its second year now. So the prize money has gone up from 10,000 to 11,000 and that's in Canadian dollars. Yes. So it's, uh, it's uh, not quite as powerful. And we also, and the competition also offers a travel stipend for the playwright to fly in. So our first winner was Gabriel Jason Dean. He's a US playwright. Mm. We workshopped his play in Bloom last week and he flew in from Brooklyn. We workshopped his play for three days and then we did a staged reading with the theater professionals in town here. And it was, it was really, really fun. It was fun for everyone to get together. And it was fantastic to meet Gabriel Jason Dean. Wonderful, wonderful guy. And um, it was really fortunate that the schedules worked out where he had the chance to come to Victoria. Yeah. All right. Great, great. Um, so I, uh, while, while I didn't get to finish the entire book, I did get a chance to get through a lot of it and look at some stuff. And, um, so basically I was, um, you would like, and you could tell me if I'm getting any of this, got any of this wrong. Um, cause I definitely want to take more time to actually really get into it and read it even more. But, um, you, you assert in the book, tragedy was a very popular style in theater in the past. And that's, that's very much true in Shakespeare and stuff like that. Uh, but it's gone. But uh, it's kind of gone into decline because, in a part, they you. I think you mentioned that um, they've kind of dismissed Aristotle's poetics. He, his kind of Aristotle's kind of model for of how to uh, to you know perform tragedy for a big part. And because of that, you feel like a lot of modern tragedies have become more avant-garde or more uh, more out there. And because of that, audiences aren't responding as well. Is that a pretty accurate portrayal of, of what you think? Absolutely. I think the modern theories of drama, they've gotten too complicated. It's sort of like modern theories of classical music. Yeah. There's a big gulf between what the academics are doing with their theories and what the audiences want to see or hear on the stage. So in classical music, there's an appetite for poppy type classical music and classical music that they use in the movies. But there's a gulf between what the musical theorists are saying classical music should sound like today with the atonality, the 12 tone system. And it's the same with the theater. I think a lot of the modern theories of drama have become, there's a gulf between them and what audiences want to see. And I hope that risk theater is, is accessible. I've written it the book is written, and I deliberately wrote the book in non-technical terms. I hope when you were reading the book, you found it. Yeah, you used a lot of examples from Shakespearean stories and Oedipus and stories I've read before and I've known before, and I was able and and, and, you, and you tied it in with that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was 
it was definitely uh, to, and then you even mentioned how in these stories there's uh, there's risk in these stories and 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 how and how they how they went uh, how they knew there was risk and how they tried to mitigate risk i love that part where you were talking about how he uh, i think it was maybe it was Macbeth. he he went to test uh, to test with the uh, what was it the uh, the oracles to test with the oracles to see to make sure he could mitigate his risk but as you know it's a tragedy so as, even though you try to mitigate your risk it doesn't matter and you know and that was so it was very clear because I, I I could remember that story. I can remember I remember there's always those things in Shakespeare where where it's like so risk is there already, uh, which which um, and, and it was clear to understand that. But at the same time, what got to me is when 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 you explain how much risk is already in tragedy, especially old tragedies and stuff like that, it made yeah. me think. It made me think. Well, if it's already there, what's the um, the advantage of uh, the advantage of having risk theater of risk already is already in a thing. I think people, I think risk, uncertainty, chance, probability, low consequence, a low probability, high consequence events. These are all things that people today are really, really interested in. And I'm, I'm sort of surprised with the idea of risk. No one's done a theory of drama that looks at drama as, as staging risk on stage. I'm really surprised that no one's done it already. And I think, and I think if I hadn't come up with this risk theater concept, because risk, probability, chance, these things are so much talked about today, I think if I didn't come up with this idea, in a few years, someone else would have come up with a, a risk theater model of, of drama as well. It's like, um, you know, uh, you know, thermodynamics, that friction produces heat. If you slide down a staircase, you, you're going to get hot. So the idea of friction has been around for 2,000, 3,000 years. I guess they were making fire by rubbing sticks and stones together back in the old day. But no one came up with the theory of thermodynamics until the 1800s, until the Industrial Revolution, until it, that, that idea that we need to understand thermodynamics came to the forefront of thought because they were having this industrial revolution. And I think it's sort of the same idea with risk. People have always known about risk. You make a big bet, you go all in, there's no plan B, you haven't kept any powder dry, like something bad's gonna happen. That's always been known and the dramatists have always intuitively understood that. But it's not until today you get things at low probability, high consequence events like Deepwater Horizon, Chernobyl, the Great Recession. These are all events that really shouldn't have happened. But because they've happened and because there was great loss involved, these ideas are in the forefront of our imagination. And if theater, were to capitalize on this asset, I think audiences would be very receptive to this and it would help fill up the theater houses across the world. Mm. 
Do you think this would would work the best in a theater context because people are in theater as as opposed to films or something like that you're actually in the theater so you you feel do you feel like the risk the risk you're talking about would be felt stronger there'd be a stronger catharsis um in the medium of theater when, because of because of the proximity or do you think it could work in other kind of visual forms uh, film was the other example i made with 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 your with your model it's interesting so now the book's been out in I approached it from a theater perspective because yes. in my academic training, I was a I I learned they taught me how ancient Greek and Latin, and my focus was ancient theater. So that's where my knowledge that's where most of my knowledge is. So I gravitated towards the theater, but but now the book's been out for eight months now what i'm the feedback i'm getting is that this idea works for everything so some people who have read the book have uh, wrote in and they've compared it to joseph campbell's the hero with a thousand faces and what they've said is this is just a really neat way of storytelling it's the storytelling model that really can be used on anything you use risk as the fulcrum of how you tell the story. Someone makes a big gamble. This is what happens. I've been talking to historians as well. There's uh, one fellow, he's working on a history or a biography of President Woodrow Wilson. And he came across the book and what he said is that I could frame this biography of Woodrow Wilson around the idea of the big bets he took to be president of, he was president of an Ivy League university. He made a big power play to do that. Then he made another huge gamble to become president. And then he wagered all in with the League of Nations. And, and what he said is, thank you for the book. This has given me a new way of looking at how I can frame the story of this biography or, or this history. So I think it can work in theater, which is very dramatic and alive. Yes. And it can also work for the novel, opera, screenwriting. I think this is the, it's like uh, the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> So you were, in your opinion, like you said, you said you think it's going, uh, tragedy's kind of gone more avant-garde because it doesn't really have the model it used to have in the past. Um, do you, but do you think, uh, to play devil's advocate, do you think there may, maybe there was a good reason people started going away from um, the traditional model? Um, maybe, maybe, they felt li maybe they felt limited by a model. Maybe a model um, produces... Um, work that's not as um, I don't know different or unique. A lot, usually, a lot of avant-garde work can be very, very unique, right? Um, oh, is yeah. there a danger? Absolutely. Is a danger in models sometimes? Oh yeah, absolutely. So different models. So uh, Nietzsche had a theory of tragedy. He wrote. Uh, he wrote the birth of tragedy out of the spirit of music. 
and how he his model was that it was tragedy tra the tragic arises from a collision between apollinean forces which are the rational mind the daylight of reason versus the dionysian aspect of the brain which is the irrational the primitive urges the unconscious so he came up with this model and the playwrights that were following nietzsche they came out with uh, strindberg was uh, one playwright that was devoted to nietzsche and his his plays tend to focus on the unconscious mind breaking out people are doing things that they don't want to do so there is a class of plays that focused on the unconscious. Uh, Hegel had a theory of tragedy. He, Hegel looked at theory of, of tragedy as a collision between two moral forces that are equally justified. And a lot of the Hegel, the German playwrights that followed Hegel, they tended to write plays that focused on dramatic paradigm shifts in history where you have tradition which has a ethical right and innovation which also has an ethical right and these collide and so you get a certain type of tragedy that uh, historical drama that focuses on historical paradigms changing so each type of theory will produce a different sort of a play Right. Okay. So it's just it's you're 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 basically doing something that people philosophers have been doing for a while with plays and stories. And and so you would would you also you'd also consider this um, maybe also maybe in the realm of philosophy as, as well as, as, as but but from the from a from a the theater perspective basically in a way. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. It, it also, you could also play, maybe put this, yeah, that's so interesting because I was thinking of it from, you, you're you thinking of it from a theater lens, but the way you talked about it, and you're right, there are a lot of um, philosophers that also go into theater. Um, Albert Camus was uh, was a philosopher that wrote plays and did, play, did plays too, right? And um, and and so, yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting, um, so interesting that to have the, to, that there is like this 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 connection back and forth between philosophy and plays and stuff like that. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to talk about like, does this work in yeah. does this idea work in like screenwriting? I see you got like the Return of the Jedi behind you. Oh yeah, so, man. oh yeah, that's that's uh yeah, yeah. people make people make fun of me, man. That's my favorite Star Wars, man. Uh, yeah, so, I've loved it ever since. Best best Star Wars they ever did, in my opinion. So. Um, People can, can disagree with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, you can um, you can put Star Wars probably through a risk theater reading. Like, what does the what does Darth Vader gamble to become the Darth Vader, and um, does does that gamble work out? Ooh, that's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can like, definitely do. So yeah. Oof. He wants like power. Is that right? He's hungry for power, but he, he has to lay down his humanity to get this power. He's like, okay, the power you can't buy it for a hundred dollars. Darth Vader or young Anakin, he can't be like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. I'm gonna become like this powerful guy. But he sort of got a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to become like powerful. So he. 
in a risk theater reading, he has to lay down his humanity to get to become this new person. He did, yeah. Be, and, became almost machine. Yeah. Almost and if machine. you and and all these major theories of drama or theories of tragedy, you should be able to run Star Wars through them. And it will, it will give you different, uh, different ways of understanding the Star Wars, which will increase your sensibility when you watch it. So it gives you a little something more. It's not necessarily true or false, but like art, it increase when you watch it, you go, oh my God, this is like, this is what's going on in, in Star Wars. Look, he's laying it all on the line. And when you come out of the theater, maybe you have a sensibility in your own life. You shouldn't make such a concentrate, concentrated gamble. You should have a plan B. You should leave some powder dry, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the, the, the recent play that you said, the one who, the guy who won from New York, from, uh, I guess you said it was, he was from Brooklyn. Um, what was that story about, and what's uh, what's what what's interesting about that story as far as risk is concerned? Can we can we can we learn a little bit more about that story, or is it uh, is it still um, under wraps? Oh yeah, so this one was uh, this one was really interesting. So the the playwright, his name is Gabriel Jason Dean, and his play is called In Bloom. It's mm -hmm. set in Afghanistan, and it's about, they have, in Afghanistan, they have this uh, bocce bazi culture. From what I understand, it's uh, uh, child prostitution involving boys. So what happens mm -hmm. is you have these dancing boys, and they dance for the older men, and until they become of age, they'll do these dances and other extracurricular activities with the older men. And then when they be become of age, then they stop doing that and they join normal society. So what happens in this play is there's a American journalist. He goes over to Afghanistan to uncover this child prostitution ring, which he does. So he infiltrates the ring, He's a journalist. He gets all the information that he wants. And um, he, he's telling these people over there that this is all wrong. They don't quite buy into it. They're just like, this is just life. But they buy into it. And then he stirs up the pot, gets his story. A whole bunch of people die. And then he comes back to the States, writes up his book. It wins all the awards. He's getting all the accolades from the UN and everyone else is having exposed child prostitution, but he falsifies his story just a little bit so that he can, he, 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 yeah, he falsifies the story a little bit so that he can become the world famous journalist. And the last scene of the play is at the award ceremony. He's getting his big award and the low probability, high consequence event is that someone from Afghanistan had survived what had happened back there and had come oh. back and call him out and say, your book is like lies. And, oh, and yeah, yeah. he wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and it, um, yeah, he went all in to try to make the world a better place, but he lied a little bit 
doing that. So he sacrificed his integrity to become world famous journalist. And there's a price, there's a price to pay for that, is what this play did. And we were, it, it's a Langham Court Theatre, is a small community theater in Victoria that's been in, it's been running forever. It's in its 90th year right now. We had some concerns that this sort of a play was too, that the, the topic matter was too much for the audience. It's pretty racy. Yeah. But, uh, but it wasn't when we produced it. It wasn't, it wasn't racy and everyone loved it. So I was so happy about that because I was a little bit worried that, hmm, can, can we do this? You're and, taking uh, a risk, aren't you? <laughs> no risk, no reward. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I'm glad it worked this time. I rolled the dice and it worked out. Yeah. Um, as far as um, the visual mechanism to, you just told us this story. Um, the visual mechanism where um, that lets someone know that this show is uh, is kind of a risk theater and working under a risk theater model. Yeah. So if someone's going to do a risk theater interpretation of yes. any sort of novel or book, what I say to them is first find where the bet is. Where, what, what does the hero want? And what is the hero willing to lay on the line to get it? So that's your bet. So for, for risk theater to work, you have to be able to see that there's some kind of a gamble involved. There's something that the hero wants and something that the hero is willing to lay on the line to get this. That sounds like, but to me, that sounds like a lot of basic storytelling. You want to know where the character, you, you want to know what the character wants. It sounds like what you would do when you're trying to think of an interesting story in general. You want to know what the risk is because that's what creates dramatic tension and all that kind of stuff. I'm just, um, I'm like just having trouble. Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how I'm seeing how this is would make an intriguing story, but I don't know how. So in some aspects, I'm trying to figure out how it makes it distinctive. Um, but I. Uh, I think you could make it distinctive visually um, by focusing focusing more on that risk and maybe making making your play or whatever visually more focused on that risk. Like um, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how you could do it, but I'm sure you could do it in that way. But isn't that how you, isn't that how you create uh, interesting um, tense tense storytelling? Period. Knowing what the character wants and knowing what uh, what dangers happen in between that that's that's storytelling that's just that's really important storytelling period right yeah so that's the beginning of the storytelling yeah and then what the risk theater argues is yeah. that once you make the bet you have to go all in and by going all in you increase the likelihood of encountering some weird out of left field, low probability, high consequence event. So if you if someone goes to uh, the all, scene, uh, now I'm now I'm getting now it's so much clearer. It was even though you could do this in without a model, even though you could do this in this model, it will always be this way, and that's why you know when you're going into a show like this, it's going to be like this. But you never know where the show is going to go, but you know that it's going to be like this. 
and it's clear if they if if they're not going all in, if they're not putting all their cards on the table, then this is not this is not risk theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You go to the casino. Someone's yeah. like putting down five dollars. You're not going to stand around and watch. Who cares? You win five dollars. You lose five dollars. But imagine going into the casino, and they throw down a million dollars a hand. And not only that, they put down their soul, like Christopher Marlowe's Doctor Faustus. They lay down the milk of human kindness. They are leveraging themselves up five hundred to one. Far, they've got a million dollars. Now you stand and watch them play because it's fascinating. Anything can can blow them up. And it's fascinating to see like how much, how far they'll go to go all in. And what will happen when you go, when you bet $5, it, like you're not really exposed to the unexpected really because you can cover yourself. But when you go all in and you leverage yourself up and you put down human values on the table, that's when it gets interesting because anything can happen. And that's what separates risk theater from different models of drama. You have to, it must be the bet and you have to go all in. Mm. Okay. Man, well, it was great talking to you, Edwin. Um, before we go, is there anything else you'd like uh, uh, the theater theater listeners um, to know about this book before we uh, we depart? Yeah, there's a website. The website for the contest is at risktheater.com. It's got all the information for playwrights who are interested in taking a look. And then I've got a personal blog that I blog about tragic theory at melpomeneswork.com and melpomene is of course the the muse of tragedy 